You know what's amazing is realizing that you haven't been recording for the last, I don't know, hour. I don't know how long you were talking. I don't know either, but I feel like I was rambling a bit. So maybe this no, next you time around no. we can be more concise. God damn it. No, you were so good. <laughs> was I? How did I not even get the intro? Like nothing. It's as if I've, ne- I've never done this before, Lee. You're my very first interview of all time. I'm so proud. I am so annoyed. I can't even tell you. Ugh! I just want it on record that Lee just gave a phenomenal interview for the last <laughs> fucking hour and I got none of it. Hilarious. We'll I got start. amazing stories and got none of it. We're going to start over. We're going to start over. I literally have to even do the intro again. I'm going to kill myself. This Hilarious. is fine. This is coronavirus brain. Oh, I'm just going to say <laughs> Quarantine that. Quarantine brain. Here we go. Let's start over. You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I currently work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me that you were ready to eat order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I am in the worst mood ever because this is just, I got to edit this out. Here we go. Start over, Kate. Get it, get it, get it together. <laughs> I'd like to welcome our guest, Lee Lamsley-Quay, originally from Jackson, Mississippi. Lee is a pastry chef who honed her skills at the Bazaar by Jose Andres, located inside of the SLS Hotel in Beverly Hills. Lee stepped away from that position recently to start her own pastry business called Abington Avenue Pastry. Prior to becoming a pastry chef, Lee has, has worked for the Comedy Store in various capacities from management to PR to service and is now grateful to work there again to part-time to help support her pastry business. I better know Lee from passing each other in the halls of various comedy clubs in los angeles so lee we're gonna take two on this bitch because i didn't record the whole first Second time we were charm, charm tell them more about working in comedy and food and how it's all been take it away lee i feel like it's we'll start I'm, this is my new take on this second time around um <laughs> i'm going to kill myself i'm not this is awful no it's hilarious no i, I do feel like though the food industry you know i you because we i both of us are edu- I, I always say the comedy store has the most well-educated staff of any place on the planet and i think la probably a lot of because so many people work in hospitality a lot of people went to college and then came out here to disappoint their parents <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry mom when um but that's what i did but i also like my first and i didn't tell this on the first round so there you go my first job ever was at a candy store in mississippi well we're gonna get into that later but go ahead go yeah ahead. so it was just like but full comes around full circle never felt like hospitality was a real job quote unquote until it you i've worked in so many careers where i have had to pay my actual bills with waiting tables because Isn't that crazy? the career Wasn't that I it. went to school for and then went to school again for and all those things pays half of what I make in a week. It's ridiculous. You can't, I mean, waiting tables is, it's impossible to quantify the rest of your life by the money that you make waiting tables because it's never going to compare. Yeah. You get more stability, I guess, in the long term out of the other kind of things maybe. But Hello. like, unless you're a good saver, which I'm grateful in these times that I have been saving money. But yeah, it's waiting tables has always saved my life to be quite honest okay well that's a great we didn't get that soundbite before yeah so good <laughs> round two is way better already yeah. <laughs> even though i'm gonna chuck something out of the window okay so you're originally from jackson mississippi mm-hmm. so why why come out to the to california you you're not an actor so what's the what yeah. brought you out here no my definitely you know never i have a great relationship with my mom and i never wanted to upset her but i did when i moved out here for sure because i was always uh, like she's from the east coast and I grew up in the South, but I went to college in Boston and then had always planned on staying out there and then maybe going to maybe taking a year off, maybe going to grad school. But then my roommate, we'd had a really crazy winter and we had driven to Florida that year for spring break. And it was just so beautiful for like a week. And we were like, oh, we have to fucking go back to a blizzard. <laughs> it was the worst. It was I remember the April Fool's blizzard of that year. Ugh. We couldn't you couldn't go anywhere and we just like we would literally just walk to the packy to get booze and walk back home (laughs) and then we stopped at boston market to get some like roasted chicken or something and then we'd be like holed up in snow for like a week so when that ended and we graduated that year she was like do you want to move to san diego for absolutely no reason and fuck off for a year and i was like yes sounds great we put all our stuff in a penske we drove across country had the best time. And then we moved to San Diego and I worked at a comedy club in college when I was in Boston and uh, the comedy connection. And we loved it so much. And it was such a, it was my community. BU, I went to BU and it was a very 
city school. A lot of um, transient population. A lot like. of transient, not a lot of like sense of like campus culture. So there was no real, I had some, like my best friend was my roommate and I have really great friends that I lived with and that's how I met my friends, but just generally campus culture didn't exist. So my friends were for the, for, were from work, which were the comedy connection. And they're still like my best friends to this day. I still go back to visit them once a year in Boston. Do you really? Yeah, I love Aww. them. So, and that was my family. And it was also, it wasn't all people that worked at the comedy club, but it started with them. And then it was started. And then we would go down to the bar after work. So there was the bartenders that were downstairs at Zuma Tex-Mex and Daniel <laughs> Hall. And then, and those, those are literally like our people. Like we would all, you know, the service industry, like once you start to know people in this, everybody takes care of everybody. Yeah. And it becomes like a small little world of everybody being like, you come here for this and I'll take care of you and I'll do it, you know. So anyway, it was fun. Um, so we went, I faxed my resume from that club to the comedy store in La Jolla because I was like, well, this was great and I need a job in San Diego. So had you, had you heard of the comedy store before? Like, how did you know that there was a comedy club in San Diego? I literally just looked up, I think I, I don't know if I used a phone book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm, dun, dun, dun. was I on the web at that point? <laughs> this, was, this was 2000. So I don't know. The internet existed, so, but it was like dial up at that point. Yeah, I think. somehow. I mean, we had the internet. I don't know. I don't know that I web searched things a lot. So, um, <laughs> ask Jeeves. <yeah. laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe I just asked somebody at the Comedy Connection if they knew of the comedy club in La Jolla, in San Diego. And they said that the comedy store in La Jolla was the only club because it was at the time. So, I just I faxed my resume <laughs> from the connection, the Comedy Connection to the Comedy Store La Jolla. And even still, they said, we got your resume. We, we aren't hiring. But when you get into town, come in and say hi and da, 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 da. So I basically just went in, went in, went in, went in, went in when we got to San Diego for two months until they oh, hired get out me. of here. Oh, yeah. you wanted it that badly. I just needed a fucking job. Like trying to find a job in <laughs> oh, San Diego. Oh, it's the worst. I People do not know how fucking hard it is. And if you, it's worse than LA. It's worse than it's LA. Because it's smaller. Yeah. And e- you have to know someone. Yeah. The literal only reason I got a job down there is because I happened to meet someone that could help me. Yeah, it was like, I literally just harassed the manager of the club at the time, Tony, because I was like, dude, I need a job. I need a job. You hiring yet? You hiring yet? I need a job. I need a job. It was just like, and my resume at that point was four years of working at the biggest comedy club in Boston. Like, I mean, and four years of experience too. It was insane. And before that, I didn't have any waitressing experience, but like four years of anything coming from like San Diego is essentially one big college town. Yes. I had, I was, and I was getting waited on by the worst servers on the planet worse than la servers which i <laughs> which is hard which to is do awful. <laughs> imagine that so you would go in and see shows and you were like vetting it and you're like these servers are terrible oh the awful just the worst but not just there it was uh everywhere in san everywhere diego. in san diego i was just try- i was literally putting in res i had it was a full-time job walking around san diego giving out resumes and could not find a job and my roommates were going through the same stuff like it wasn't we were just all sitting at home like what, what do the we fuck do did we do why yeah. did we do this <laughs> also because we were slowly getting acclimated to the fact that san diego was full of assholes oh. and <laughs> we were like getting real <laughs> i didn't realize that anyone could be more racist than boss than in boston it, it's so conservative god but i have really amazing open-minded progressive friends that still live in san diego kate and nick i'm talking to you like <laughs> i have people down there that i love that are very progressive there are a lot of them same How? i had to, it took a, to- a long time to find them yes though. however yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was floored at the amount of conservative racism like and not saying conservative people are racist that just happens to be a massive contingent in San Diego. And, and I, I think I think it was because I lived on the beaches quite a bit. Yeah. And the beach communities are, I mean, have you ever seen American History X? Because <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, that answers that question. This is a thing. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm dying. And now I want to go watch that movie tonight and be like, oh, my God, she's so right. Dude, it's, oh, it's like crazy. It was like, you're not in a gang, buddy. Stop acting like you are. You have flip flops on. <laughs> Who are you chasing? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh. Okay, so you're courting the store, trying to get a job, telling Tommy now or Tony. So now do you get another job in the meantime? I think that no, the comedy store was the first job that I got. And then one of my roommates got a job at a shithole on the beach called Lahaina beach house. That was the only place that was open at 6am on the beach. And they had 
they had a patio like right on the boardwalk. They were the only people that did in Pacific Beach. Wait, so were you bartending at six in the morning or what were you doing? No, I was. So she started waiting tables. So oh, they, she does they, it. Okay. There was a there was a law that had just passed that said in order to be open at 6 a.m. You had to serve a, like a percentage of food per drink sales or something. Or you had to have a certain amount of food available for all the drunk people. <laughs> Absorb the booze. Yeah. So I got the job at the comedy store first. My friend Danny got the job at Lahaina Beach House first. I got her the job at the comedy store. She got me the day job at Lahaina Beach House. And so we would literally like, we lived together. We called it our little hotel room because we had two double beds in a single room. And we would just talk each other to sleep every night. Hammered. It was very sweet. <laughs> I'm like, I even think I brought somebody home and like just went on the side of the bed. On that the a girl. <laughs> that like, a way to do it up I'm San not, Diego I'm style. Like, I'm not losing any chance. <laughs> I love being single. Can we just say that again? I love being single. So, it's on record like <laughs> <laughs> um so we both like we got each other jobs in different places and because we didn't have anything else to do at that point we weren't trying to go back to school or anything we just were like working and having fun working and having fun so we literally would like go to work at the comedy store till two in the morning or till midnight because it wasn't open as late go out with the comics who were in town and a lot of times i would go back to the condo party with them late night and then could walk to lahaina which is a lot of times why I showed up to the Lahaina Beach House in my comedy store outfit. Come, oh, you before. did not. Uh huh. You'd be in the same uniform. I would flip my shirt inside out. No, you would not. Hundred percent. Wait, they when you like, say the condo, what do you mean? Is that like the the comedy store owned a condo or something down there? It does still. Oh, it, it has does a still. condo in Pacific Beach, right on the beach. Oh, Mi- Mitzi damn. had one upstairs, and then the comics had one downstairs, and then I think they eventually sold Mitzi's, but they still have the one for the comics. Okay, so you would go party there, and then you'd turn your uniform inside out, and then you'd go serve food at six in the morning. Oh yeah, kill me disaster fucking no. wreck <laughs> did your bosses notice my boss was like lee um could do you think you could like try or could you go home and shower where have you been where? I, like, I don't want to answer these questions <laughs> yeah you're like these are drunk people at 6 a.m they're yeah. not noticing I'm like, they're no, fine no, i can't shower for you this job isn't <laughs> worth it next question how long do you maintain both jobs doing a schedule that insane I mean, I think I maintained both of those jobs for quite some time. It was a couple of years. I was there for like three and a half years. I was young. You don't need sleep when you're young. Girl, you and I are different. I wouldn't have been. I would have been in the hospital after a week of no sleep. Oh, I'm a psychopath. (laughs) I still am. Like I am a 41 year old psychopath. I'm a little slower than I was when I was 21, (laughs) but I still can put a lot of 21 year olds under the grave. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I can't hang with you. Wait. So you, you mentioned earlier when we recorded this the first time when it wasn't recording uh you mentioned that like comedy clubs you think attract a certain type of person oh yeah yeah. do you I, still feel that way no for sure after after the hour, five minutes yes, i've changed so my mind. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> um no I, I feel like the reason i'm still really good friends with the people i worked with in I, well, comedy clubs and slash service industry yeah but definitely comedy clubs are another level of that but the people that i maintain all my closest relationships with in boston were like special and sort of drawn to a comedy club environment for a certain reason i feel like and the reason i sort of was drawn to la jolla even though it was a very different animal than boston mm-hmm. and then up here la comedy store is is also very different than la jolla it still has like this attraction it pulls to it a certain kind of person that is really independent and free thinking and a little wounded, damaged and wounded, yep. but not at all weak. And very, I mean, honestly, I, f- I find that very creative, yes. even not just the performers. And that's what I think it is. It's like the staff that's attracted to these places is attracted to talent yes. and eccentricity and people's ability to express themselves in, in like the way that they were born to do and sort of refusing to accept anything less than that. And so in order to do that, you kind of put yourself in a stressful situation in some points, like you're living a life that is not traditional no. by every every definition every definition yeah but yeah. you're doing it with these other people who are willing to take the risk with you mm. so it's like you're kind of in the trenches together you're in the trenches together so mm-hmm. it's hard and i'm not saying everybody loves each other because lord knows no they do not they do not <laughs> but Fair. there are a lucky few and i do feel like the comedy stores had some shitty managers coming in and out of there come not, on not come current on current management staff is perfect completely not included yeah they're they're perfect perfect but um <laughs> the staff that they've attracted like the worst manager that the comedy stores ever had mark tarosi you're a piece of shit 
He's already been talked about on this podcast. Oh, so listeners awful. will know that name. Oh, don't <laughs> hire him. He's terrible. <laughs> he still comes back to haunt you, too. He tried to get my, my girl Lee fired for no reason. And, and Jen. Jen. Mm-hmm. He literally went on a year of rampage of trying to like find things to get saying we were stealing and da, 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 like whatever he could do. And I God bless Adam Egget for I think Adam saved Jen and I from uh-huh. getting fired several times because he was a manager at the time. Adam's a good dude. Yeah, he but he's loyal and he we were good friends. But he also knew that the two of us worked our asses off and had been there the longest. But that's why Mark wanted us to go because we had been there for so long that he was challenged by the fact that we actually knew how to do his job better than he did. And, and by challenge, you mean threatened. Threatened. Oh, he was very threatened. And it was because I came to I went to him with some changes he was trying to make. And I was like, hey, I know you come from restaurants. So this I'm is just not saying that. like, this is really high volume and I don't think that's going to work here. And he to watch the crazy come out of his eyes when Ooh. I said something like, how dare you challenge me? And I was Jesus. like, I thought this was... A dialogue. An an open dialogue. (laughs) That's how you presented it in the meeting. And Uh, and now you're scared? Are you going to kill me? Oh, I'm scared. (laughs) But the one thing that he did, although I don't want to give him credit for it, because I do feel like it is the spirit of the comedy store and maybe Mitzi. And I'm not trying to get super... That place is haunted as fuck. That place is haunted as fuck. But the building has a spirit to itself. Yes, it's its own entity. And it is dark and menacing. But it also has something about it that wants it to survive. So it's pulling in people that will do their best job for it, I think. (laughs) I feel like I'm talking like I'm in the outsider or something. Now you live in LA. This is all normal. And you're right. I agree with you. But there's something about it. So the staff that keeps getting pulled in, it spits out the people that don't fit. (laughs) Yes, I would agree. (laughs) You know? And honestly, there are people that I thought weren't going to be a fit that ended up being a fit. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's interesting because the building just does its job or the spirit or whatever you want to call it. Like, But so I have met my family in Los Angeles started with two people that I moved here with, but is massive now. And I'm and it's really family. Like, it's not just, oh, you're my tribe or what. You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) those platitudes in LA. I'm like, girl, we vibe together. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I I hate you. (laughs) But there's like legitimate people that I've met that I will consider family for the rest of my life because of the comedy store. So Mm. You know, there is something that is that draws people to that kind of environment that is unique. Yeah. Okay. So you so you are like, I'm gonna keep this schedule up of working at on the beach in the mornings with a bunch of drunks to working in a comedy club at night with a bunch of drunks. And you do that for like <laughs> three or four years. Okay, so that I did get more so after the first year, I did continue to have two jobs, but and I always partied, don't don't get it twisted. <laughs> At least um, still do though. You still right. hold it down, girl. <laughs> I know. I can't hang. You have to celebrate your life. <laughs> but there was a point at which I like stood out, I think, as the most competent educated person on staff for a minute. And I got asked to do PR and then assistant manage. And Jen, who got hired a couple months after me, who's now the assistant GM at the store up here. Congrats, Jen. Um, congrats, Jen. Um she also got asked to do assistant managing stuff. So, and then we also bartended and served, but so then my life, I still had another, I don't remember when I quit the Lahaina beach house, but there was a point when you couldn't do at it at point all. at one point, but it wasn't cause I didn't, I mean, I could have kept going, but it was just like, I was making more money at the store. And then my life became more about the store 24 hours a day, because it was just like, when I was waiting tables at night, I'd have to get up early in the morning to be on the hours of TV and radio producers Why? to pitch. Cause I would have to work all week to pitch who we had coming up and then set up the time. So that started on Monday morning for me. And then I would do all those things. And I was, the, the store was closed on Monday, Tuesday at that point in La Jolla. So okay. we were open Wednesday through Sunday. So what does it mean you would pitch? Oh, I hope you guys can hear that airplane because it's great. Um, <laughs> what it is, it, what does it mean that you would pitch on radio and TV? Like you, so you're doing press for the store, meaning, Hey, we've got this big name comic coming down. Come see us. Like it was kind of just like free mm-hmm. at just advertising for basically. the weekend shows. Yeah. And eventually I wouldn't have to send, spend as much time pitching because I created the relationships that they trusted that I wasn't going to like cause them to get censored by anybody. Cause <laughs> it was hard in the beginning. Cause I think they had some crazy comics and, and no one was, was policing them. So it was like, you just pissed off half of the city of San Diego on KTL or whatever the, what they had like a local channel. I can't remember, but they would for a minute, like I had to work really hard to rebuild some relationships that had been screwed by comics who were just like, didn't care. And you know, so the job was 
have these relationships with these comics so they wouldn't want to embarrass me <laughs> in conservative San Diego. In conservative San Diego. Because it's not their time to shine. And they are for sure still drunk. Still drunk. Very <laughs> coked up. Like Facts are facts are facts. I'm probably still drunk, but I maintain very well. Um, but yeah, a lot of times we'd have like people come down, um, like theme shows. Mitzi loved to do theme shows. So we'd have like the Arabian Nights. Everything was the most un-PC thing. I was going to say, of. who the hell's in the Arabian Nights? Oh, was it a so bunch it was of... a meta med. Oh my it was... God. <laughs> Ahmed Ahmed, Maz Jabrani, Aaron Cater, oh my God. and Sam people Tripoli. Are, oh my God. People that are actually, wow. And Tripoli's Armenian, so that's yeah, not even, but even he, she was like, you're Harry, get in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, whatever. So, but they, but honestly, they would come down and they were so much fun. And this was before anybody knew who anybody was then. So they were just like unknowns. I would get them booked on these shows and then we they'd come down on Thursday and we'd party all night and I'd stay at the condo with them so that I could make sure that everybody would be awake an hour later so that we could get in a car and go do TV and radio at six in the morning. Wait, you would go sleep at the condo to try and... We get- would be partying anyway. It was so fun. <laughs> so it was just like, I'm not going home for an hour because then you're all going to pass the fuck out and then I can't get back into the condo. So... Oh my God. Did that happen to you before where you couldn't get a comic up? Yeah. Dom Herrera, who's like the most <laughs> professional of all of them and my favorite person on the planet. I adore him. He, um, what, he was just asleep? He fell asleep and he just wouldn't wake up. I kept calling and calling and calling. So you weren't staying at the condo that night? No, because Dom didn't need he to was be professional. Oh and he was with his girlfriend God. Sophie at the time who was my favorite person on the planet. And I when they came, it was my favorite weekend because we'd all hang out and we had the best time. But in a less... They were older or he was older. Sophie wasn't. But anyway, so I couldn't get. So I ended up on the beach throwing pebbles at their fucking window because I couldn't get him up. And then finally she woke up and she she's hilarious because she looks like uh, like Sophia Loren. She was from Montreal. She was stunning. Stunningly gorgeous. French, Mm. big lips, wild hair. (laughs) And she came out. She's like, Lee, I'm so sorry. I will get him for you. And I was just like, it's okay. Anyway, I'm so we all get fired. It's, yeah, fine. it's fine. Everything's fine. But D- because Dom was such a like a draw that and they really looked forward to having him on. They it was it was actually the perfect person to be have late. been late. Yeah, because they forgave that because he already had a star quality behind him or whatever. And he was so great on air and they loved having him on. So that was the only person I think. Otherwise, just riding around with creepy comics was Ooh, the worst part of that uh, job. Like, What do you mean creepy comics? Was there someone that like tried to do something to you? Nobody officially. A lot of like inappropriate talk like charles fleischer i don't know who that is but okay voice of roger rabbit oh, okay still probably uses that as his sales pitch <laughs> from when is that movie 1985 yeah God i don't something <laughs> um wait he was inappropriate with you he said creepy said some stuff in the car i can't like tell you verbatim what it was but just things that like would make like I, sexy creepy or serial killer creepy? no 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 both but Ugh. sexy creepy like i Ugh. I'm not going to put it on him, but there was a couple different older comics that I had to spend some time with one-on-one that I really was like, please let this be over as soon as possible. And it was like, you know, somebody asked me to suck his dick. No, will you say who it is? I can't remember if I don't want to put it on one. There was a, cause there wasn't of, just one, but there, I mean, generally it was insinuated all the time, all the time. I mean, but, it still is that way with all of them. But like with some people, it was super charming. Like it yeah. was really fun to have Joey Diaz in the car with we me, you, even Joey. though I was being sexually harassed the entire time. <laughs> it was my favorite three hours of the month. His deaf ass still does that shit to us. It's now, the most ridiculous I love thing. Him. We laughed about it the other day. He's like, Hey Irish. I don't know why he calls me that. But he was like, Irish, remember when I did it? You know, and we were just giggling and he's like, <laughs> cause he's but, such a good but day. I love him and yeah, same. you know and the fun part with him was trying to get him to not ruin all my press connections oh with him harassing other people well ju- no just he was so edgy and blue as a comedian oh. so being on the 6am news and trying to put Ooh. a like family friendly Joey Diaz on the 6am news is that a in- thing how could you know that it was like we had to really it was stressful first of all we'd been up all night for sure <laughs> he was definitely one of the people that I was up all night with partying <laughs> which is hilarious because he doesn't drink now so it's so weird oh no it was so much back in the day though I mean like and I hope he no one minds that I- but we had so, so much, fun. much fun that was one of the best parts about working in La Jolla was that it was they were coming down for the weekend and they were ready to party <laughs> you were like I'm show them a good time and we were like we're ready, we're ready too we've been ready I hate everybody in this town 
<laughs> I've been waiting for you. Let's get Let's fucked go. up together. Yeah. <laughs> so he, so you'd have to give like a PC, like, yeah, we'd family. be like doing setups. Like, okay, this is what can they say to set you up into a joke? That's not going to get us kicked off the air. Oh da, 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 you know, and imagine. he never, ever let me down, but it was definitely stressful for the producers. Cause they all had watched his set online, whatever, or whatever that we had sent them to pitch. They're like, Oh God, this guy's scary. <laughs> this is not like 6am this is not that kind of humor yeah but he always did a great job and i adore him for it and he's the sweetest but yeah no there's just there's just a lot of creepy just nasty comics just being gross so that part of the job you were like if i could have done without that i would have yeah although you know it's like looking back it's like nah because i really feel like you know the whatever the bullshit whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger like it taught me because then I ended up coming up here and managing comics and not just the ones that I chose, but working with not just comics either, but like actors and and um, just like reality stars and whatever. And yeah. I got put in a lot of situations where I feel like I would have really been freaked out had I not been through like the f- training of comedy sure. store like one Degen- these- degenerate comics yeah, like exactly. harassing you yeah so you know i really like i don't think that it was right what they did but i also think that it helped me create my boundaries and know what my lines are sure. like where what if you cross this am i going to be shattered or am i just going to be able to be like okay i'm not going to spend that much time with you anymore you know like i don't mm-hmm. know it just helped you create your boundaries when as a woman in your 20s at that time it's like i mean w- women in their 20s all the time like we don't know what we're doing Mm-mm. like we don't know how to say no and we we're like you know we're here to serve guys like whatever you want and so like especially in a work setting where there's a power dynamic of this potentially very famous comic who's like saying things you got to roll with some of it it's the har- it's the Weinstein model of the like how far can you let the anyway i'm de- i'm derailing but you know what's funny is like the people who had who were the youngest or the most powerful at the time were never the people who were inappropriate. Of not. It was always the people who were who were grasping mm. to hold on to the career that is slowly slipping away. Those were the creepy people. Of course. Interesting. Yeah. So you're managing talent and are you also serving at the comedy store at that time or were you I like, wasn't managing talent in La Jolla. I was just I was serving, I was bartending, I was doing PR, I was managing okay. along with Jen. Like the two of us were kind of like just crushing it. Managing and running that whole place. And so at what point were you like, I got to come to LA or did the comedy store recruit you and say, we need you in LA? No, they did definitely did not recruit us. <laughs> they don't recruit anyone <laughs> to Eleanor. be clear. <laughs> Eleanor, God bless Eleanor um, Kerrigan, who's now an amazing comedian who we was love the head you, waitress Eleanor. at the time. Very much all the love who I blame for my fucking <laughs> sticking around never ending career at the comedy store. It just keeps coming back. But, <laughs> um, she at that point La Jolla was was paying a lot of the bills for LA LA was really slow so she's like I can put your name on the schedule but that's literally all I can guarantee you and if I have something to throw at you I'll throw it at you so but what made you so what was the transition where you were done with with San Diego so San Diego it was just like you know you start to get to the point where people are like we're like okay we're all partying and having a great time but like what are we going to do next with our lives and everybody's (laughs) like um I don't you're bringing me down You're like hurting the vibe yeah. here. If you could like, like not. <laughs> I was like, okay. So then I had like my crew of Jen, my best friend from college that I moved out there with had moved, already moved back to Connecticut. But then my best friend from Mississippi had moved out because she's an actor. And um, she was like, San Diego's closer to LA and it's like baby stepping. So she doesn't have to like fully throw her way <laughs> in. The same thing. It's like the back door. Yep. But, um, well, we think it is, we but think it turns it out it's not. No, <laughs> it won't do shit for you. Nope. Um, she had a she had a one eight hundred San Diego commercial that was all the Bless rage. Bless her. Yes. <laughs> um, all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the three of us all kind of we just kind of decided. And there was a couple other people that were like minded um, down there, but they definitely like once you started having those conversations about like life goals, you separated yourself from people who really just wanted to party surf, forever surf and party and not yeah. do anything seriously so which like no shade to them good for you if that's the life that if you that's what lead. you want like, but ultimately like they're not happy people these days 20 years later going back being like checking in just seeing who made the right choice it was me <laughs> <laughs> you mean these like leathered out skin people still doing a bunch of coke like smoking not, cigarettes by well, the pack, constantly pack. i'm just like why are you still smoking yeah. a <laughs> why um, are you at the bar at 6 a.m yeah, why still? are you at the bar still b <laughs> 
it's like it's not a cute look like no. they're in their 40s no. now it's, some of them are older than that too it's yeah like, it's not a good look oh it's peter pan syndrome i always said that down there a hundred percent and that's what i felt that need when i had to get out too yeah. that itch starts and you're like i can't do this forever. no because you like if you have any goals whatsoever i'm not saying you can't make something happen in san diego but it's very hard no you so. can and i have friends in san diego who are amazing and kate and nick i'm talking about you like there are amazing people down there who are progressive and awesome and it's great but there gets to be a point when it's like, I I can't stay in this mix. I just can't. Yeah. No, it just, it became toxic. So uh, I was spending, Dom was actually, Dom Herrera was the first person that told me that being, being in the car with comedians every morning in, in the worst part of their day because they aren't morning people sure. and being able to like keep them present and, and focused and having fun and like just in a good mood was kind of a skill that I didn't really realize that I had because I was just doing it. And then Dom was like, you're good at this. Like you are, you are calming to neurotic, insane people <laughs> who are also depressed casually and miserably depressed. Themselves. Yeah. So he's like, maybe you should think about getting into management. So that, and like doing the PR and the management, at the store got me into like the business side of comedy. And I started going, Oh, maybe this is a, this is more than just like a job that I do to waste time. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's something I could do for a career. So I moved to LA in 04 with Jen and Andrina was an actor and Jen was an art. She's an artist and she wanted oh, to get into like that. art production and stuff like that. So good job, Jen. Yep. So she was, we all moved up here together to get into the entertainment business in one way or Some another. capacity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Eleanor put us on the schedule one night a week and our only set show was tripping on, or it was called Fat Tuesdays at the time run by Guy Tori and it okay. was super urban. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Well, we're getting into it. Okay. That's PC. All right. <laughs> okay. And why was that the only shift available for you guys? No, not a, first of all, you had, to, people would steal your, like it was insane. Like the girls that had set shifts had worked there for already years and you had to somebody had to die for you to get a, an original room shift god kill me no. i mean i don't know how many people on the, like so the comedy store has three rooms and the original room then was the only show that was seven nights a week and it was the only show that was ever busy and there was only one server in that room one server for the whole that's room seats 150 people yep oh my god you're never getting to everybody's but orders it, well it slowly filled it was never it's not like it so it's like i have to tell people there's like a before and after phase this was like before people were really coming to see comedy again so it was oh. um it was a, it was a slow fill and maybe it would get packed but it was like the people that you started with were not there anymore so it was like a it they was really busy and i would never want to do that again looking back no but i at the time it was the only way you could make any money so if you got one of those shifts you were just gonna hold on you would kill people if they tried to take it away from you it was insane so people would like come and sit down stay for a couple comics and then they'd leave then they'd refill that seat is that yeah. how it was? So yeah. it was just a, a never ending revolving door of people. Which was in. also very stressful. Because oh my you're God. Like, it's not like you have like your set room and then you know when to drop tabs and da da da. You're literally looking around like your head's on a swivel. Did yeah. Did I get them yet? Fuck. Like, is that a new person? Insane. I can't see them. It's dark in here. Yeah. It was oh crazy. God. It was definitely a different way. Like the way that the store is now and the way that it was then are very different. We had one tab for the entire section what i'm sorry what so what we had an old computer and we'd ring in the drinks all in one tab and we'd send them i would send 800 dollars orders at a time lee that's insane but how do you tell people how much they owe but then you just have to remember you remember everything nope nope and I everything was kind of, like the amount of cash and carry back then like now everything is credit card i would say 90 90 80 is credit card now back then it was like 75 percent cash so i would take credit card tabs but if people wanted to pay cash like i had several i had i would probably have 10 to 15 credit cards and i would wrap a piece of paper around them and every time they ordered something i would do i would write what they had on the outside of the paper and then every time they ordered something i would do like a tally mark lee this would have I, I don't i don't i would have gone insane also you're dealing with a massive amount of personalities sections. I mean, what, what were they like a hundred people in a section that well, was I yours? Mean, the OR was one person. That's, I think that's... on the weekends, the weekends it was two people, but, um, Oh, how Sunday, benevolent. Yeah. But Sunday through Thursday, it was one person. And the person that had that shift never gave that shift away. Well, because you're making a group of money just because it, by volume, but you're not even like, you're thinking like, so right now I think the comedy store, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I make on a on a packed Saturday, on like a great packed Saturday, not even last Tuesday, Joe Rogan, two shows. No, it was one show. I did one show was Rogan on the on the show. The second show was Brody 
Stevens like Adam festival Memorial. of friendship. Yeah. I made God damn. You walked with us? Walked with $50. I'm going to edit this out so nobody knows the kind of money we make. <laughs> Goodbye. Edit, Kate. I mean, that's not every night because like, yeah. but that week and I'm like, somebody was looking over me. I just did the sign of the cross for the people at home. Somebody was looking <laughs> over me. I'm not, I'm Unitarian. I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> that night that I worked, I picked up Monday. I worked Monday OR, split with one person. I made like Damn. I worked Tuesday. I made and I worked Wednesday main room F and I made and then that was literally the end because then this virus hit yeah but I made or something like that including Um, including hourly in three days oh you were covered uh in 2004 you weren't making money that was not happening you had to work I used to work one I used to work two rooms by myself on a Monday night to make Jesus not worth it up and down in two room. rooms is too much it's too much it's insane i mean you do have to keep it in perspective though it wasn't nearly as busy as it is now so don't imagine like a packed sold out room and a packed other room i was gonna say i don't think both. how that's possible no it's not so you do like it's a slow build people aren't coming in all at once like they start to like the comedy store now says that like they posted something online saying that uh open mic was sold out and i my brain exploded because i was like <laughs> i'm sorry what <laughs> Who the fuck is selling out an open mic? Who's the comedy coming? store is on fire yeah. or was on fire. Hopefully yeah. it will be again in a couple weeks. God, but like, please. It was just, it was insane. That's why I'm like, I call like this. It's my second job now, but it is my literal retirement plan. Because the comedy store. Yeah. Because, and I feel like it's owed to me as my 401k <laughs> because I spent so many years not making money or having to work three rooms to make money. How long have you been there? 20. Oh, wow. It'll be 20 in October. So 19 and a half and some change. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're crushing it in the comedy store. Like all that stuff is happening. You're getting like, but you're, well, you're getting one shift a week. So you're not really crushing it, but you're like, we were getting one shift a week. And then, um, I got a job at a pool hall in Glendale because I couldn't find, we couldn't live off of that. So me and Jen and Andrina all were like, I think Jen and Andrina were catering more. I got a job bartending and waitressing at a pool hall in Glendale called charles billiards and it was fun but then eleanor was thinking of leaving i was also trying to get into management at the time so i was kind of thinking the less shifts at the store sure the better because it would have been a conflict of interest because they wouldn't take me seriously during the day if i was a waitress at a comedy club at night i agree so that's real i was trying to separate myself from that and but i knew i needed to work at a night job and then i got a job in a management company but it was all commission based so i needed a night job sure so the service industry has definitely always supported every career i've ever been (laughs) it's what it does fuck okay so you so you're doing that and then what got you to now where you're like i want to step away and be a pastry chef which is what i wanted to do for a long time like what made you i guess what was the transition out of management and into because like you've been a great cook for your whole life so what was, oh, I want to do this professionally. So it was um, the recession of 2008, but by this point it was 2010 and I was working in management. Also still at the comedy store or had you fi- finished all your shifts there? You I know? hadn't been working. No, I was, but secretly. Okay. Because Eleanor quit and asked me, she's like, I can't trust any of these bitches. <laughs> I need you to come back and start doing the schedule because I can't give it to any of these people because if I do, they're going to screw everybody, everybody over. That's and Philadelphia, I was like, Eleanor. Like, yeah, right? I mean, like, no, no. And and Drina, God bless her, because she, she was an actor at the time and none, she wasn't really into, like, making a career or being more involved with the store or whatever. Um, she told Eleanor that I was... My second job was at this ghetto pool hall in Glendale <laughs> and I, need, I needed to be rescued. So Elle was like... Andrina says you need to be brought back into the fold and I really don't trust anybody else to like give this to I would like you to do the schedule because I'm quitting oh wow because Mitzi also I was probably the last person and Mitzi was still alive at this point and I was the last person that Mitzi knew and who is Mitzi so people know who Mitzi is. is the owner was the owner of the comedy store Mitzi Shore right? Mitzi Shore yeah who's passed away but because I assisted her when I, when I first moved up here, I did some PR for the store and I assisted Mitzi, which meant just hanging, honestly, just, they just wanted somebody to hang with her and spend time with her and talk to her. And so, and just, I learned so much about her life and it was a blessing. It was like my favorite six months. Was Um, she showing signs of Parkinson's at the time? Oh yeah. She'd had it for a while. Yeah. Anyway. So Elle was like, I want you to come back and be the head waitress. And I thought about it for a minute because I was full-time working in management at that point. But, um, were you making enough money? Like I wasn't making enough to live on. I was making enough to make it worth my while. Okay. You weren't thriving. And some months I was making a decent amount and then other months I wasn't. 
Um, so I definitely needed a second job. And so I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do that. But it, girl, I can't like some people, sometimes somebody would come into the hallway of the comedy store and I had just been in a meeting with them that morning. And oh, I would literally, God. there was Hide. one point at which I took my full tray of drinks through the parking lot onto the patio of the comedy store and up through the front door of the OR to deliver my drinks to avoid I get a it. manager in the hallway. It was like, Lee, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> you can't maintain that. <laughs> it was insane. But then, so I was, that started, like, I only started to get more successful and then the, in management. And then that's when that started happening because I was pitching a lot of things during the day uh, and had really great meetings and stuff like that. And then I was doing this at night and I probably should have like jumped shit from the store and just like jump in and just yeah. be free and just hope that something catches you. Yeah, but I was that. scared to do that fully. But then the, then the recession hit. And then my company moved, we moved into home offices. We like over office and then it, then we got a virtual office and then eventually people just started going, why can't I like, where are you? Like the facade was really hard to keep up. Oh, like, like they wanted to come into the being office and a have successful a management company, but working from home and like having this virtual office, it just became this juggling act that was so exhausting. That's too much. So then I started applying for PR jobs and stuff, but the economy was so bad that the comedy store was paying everything. I wasn't making any, hardly any commissions at that point. It was just, it was a rough time. So I decided at that point to go to culinary school because I couldn't, I could not get a job in PR or management anywhere and no one was hiring anything. So I was working at the comedy store and I went to culinary school and I was like, let me just see if I like it. And did you love it? And I loved it. Oh yeah. It was like, thank God. Like this is what I've been, this is what I've been supposed to be doing for a really long time. And I just needed something to happen to like push me into it. So, wow. And what was when you were assisting Mitzi, like, were you because because Eleanor was on Marin's podcast and talked about how she had to go to Mexico with Mitzi and, you know, get medication or get stem cell treatments and all that. Did you ever have to do shit like that? Once I think I like I blocked it from my memory, but um, (laughs) once they said, hey, can you go to Mexico and get some over the counter stuff like some homeopathic stuff that's just cheap? The thing was, it was just cheaper. They could get it here. It was just probably 10 cents cheaper in Mexico. (laughs) God bless the shores. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, sure, because like I am a little naive when it comes or I just naive slash confident that nothing's confident that nothing's gonna happen like i just always i'm like i'll be fine yeah because you Um, have been so far yeah like (laughs) but this so i go in they're like just tell them what you're getting and that it's for your boss we do this all the time it's never a deal did you just like walk across the border from san diego to tijuana by myself by yourself yeah well you crazy i wasn't but i had already been into mexico a couple times by that point and you didn't need a passport at that point you could just freely drive in and out so it wasn't it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal sure And then you go in and I got the stuff easily. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't like prescription. It was all over the counter homeopathic stuff. And then I drive back in and I was like, oh, I got this stuff from my boss. And they're like, why are you buying drugs for your boss? And I was like, like, but it's not prescription. It's like, they're they're like, it doesn't matter. You know, and I was like, "Uh," and I started shitting myself and they pull me to the side. Oh, that's the scariest thing of all time. They opened my trunk and my backseat wouldn't come down. So they like ripped my backseat off. Are you kidding me? Not kidding. They had dogs in my car, like going. Were you detained? Were you out of the car? I was standing outside of the car just but and i had just bought a cell phone again aging myself but like (laughs) i had just bought a cell phone and i think this was oh two oh my god and um i called my mom and i was like uh I just want you to know I'm in Mexico and I might be going to jail. So if was you your need mom to come so get, pissed? Oh, my mom was like, well, beyond just anxiety or in disaster. She's like, like, I love you. I don't want you to even be in Southern California. Why are you in Mexico? <laughs> I told you you should never go. To, yeah. Don't go to California. God bless your mother. So anyway, so I made it out alive and unscathed for the most part. Although I think I turned 85 you did. My, in my internal organs. Like, wait, but how long did that take? How long were they couple in your hours. car? A couple hours. Get out of And they just kept you outside of the car the whole time? standing outside of the car. Oh, Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So did they let you keep the homeopathic stuff you had purchased or did yes. they take it all? No, they gave it to me, but it was like, I think they thought I was using it as a cover for something bigger. Uh, well, some people probably do. Yeah. And you're so, like, no, I just want to get I'm like, I literally drugs. just have the, I like, you want CDs? Cause they're on, <laughs> I have a thousand dollars worth of CDs oh, in my God, car. Right Jamiroquai. He's loaded, oh, loaded, locked and loaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so then I like, 
was it like a disaster driving back to San Diego I don't, after I don't that. Know how you I don't did know it. how I did it. I don't remember doing it. Honestly. I believe you. But yeah, that was that was fucking scary. But no, mid- Eleanor used to go on like full on trips, full on trips with her to like South America sure. and stuff like that. And uh, no, I the most time I spent, I mean, she knew. She, I think I was the last server that she knew and trusted and would ask for when she come in. She came into the store. She would Aww. be like, "Somebody go get Lee. I want to talk to Lee." You know. Bless but I her. feel like really special because of that because I. She didn't trust a lot of people. Sure. Justin um, Martindale talks about that too, that he felt like connected to her in that yeah. way. She trusted and I him. think a lot of people that had that connection with her realize how special that was because sure. she really, you know, she didn't always make the best choices, but for the most part, she had something sort of supernatural in the way that she saw people and chose people. Oh, she could smell it. I mean, yeah. Sean has talked about that, that on this podcast, actually. Like, she could just, she just knew. Mm-hmm. And if she liked you, she liked you. And if she didn't, Ooh. that, oh boy. If she didn't, she did not. Yeah. Well, she didn't suffer fools. You were out. Yeah. But she used to, I mean, there was so many times, though. She also had, like, saying all these things wonderful about her, but also, like, she was also a little crazy and <laughs> some and nonsensical sometimes. And so, like, if there was... She didn't like blondes. Oh, I've heard this. Really? Yeah. So, Wait, that's true? Yeah. Didn't like blondes at all. Wait, would she just fire them or never hire oh, them? Oh, fire them on the spot. Get the fuck out of here. Because Eleanor would be, like, would hire people. Oh, my God. She wouldn't God. have to get it approved through Mitzi. She would just hire people. And um, Mitzi would be like, who's that? She doesn't glide. Fire her. Are you kidding? I love that everyone, by the way, everyone's impression of Mitzi, like even Sean's, and literally everyone that has done an impression of her, it's exactly what they do. This like long extendo talk that she seems to have. Who you No, know, she's so, it was ridiculous. But then Eleanor would be like, go fucking put a hat on. What are you doing? You dumb bitch. And then they'd be like, okay. And then they'd put a hat on and then she'd walk, they walk into, oh, but she's good. Oh, so, so long as she couldn't see that. Why, why blondes? Because her husband cheated on her with blondes. Oh, well, that makes sense. I yep. would hate him too. Yep. I get it. <laughs> she was very simple it Listen, was like yep. I get it so you do that so you're how long were you like her sort of person i was only assisting her for like six months but her person in that she knew me as a manager in la jolla and then knew uh, me and then when she came to la jolla i was the one that would deal with her down there and then um when i came up here that but also knew that Eleanor was passing the torch to me as the head waitress. Okay. So then I started doing the schedule and was just her go-to. Like when she came, I would go sit with her for a little while at the store, watch comics with her. It was just, she just wanted to feel connected to like the staff. And that was her, she needed a person, like a point person that she trusted. Um, And what a vulnerable time for her. Like as Parkinson slowly takes away your ability to think and be physically active. Yeah. I can't imagine. Oh, well, that's happy. This is a comedy yeah. podcast, folks. Okay, so you go from doing that. Now, what got you to separate from the comedy store? And like, so you go to culinary school. You're like, this is for me. Yeah, so I'm I worked into this. I worked at the store. It put me through culinary school, thank goodness. And then I went into, like I went to trade tech thanks to a friend of mine who's a chef in New Orleans who worked for Emerald. And she was like, my advice is do not pay for a crazy for-profit university. Find a, com- a community college in LA. I'm sure there's a good culinary school in a community college in LA. I wouldn't have thought that. Would have never thought it. Yeah. Found LA Trade Tech. Oldest culinary school in the state of California. Who knew that? Okay. They do not advertise because they're overcrowded. Wow. So I went to Glendale College first, Glendale Community College, but they didn't have a pastry program. And then somebody there, they had one class. So that's where I started. And then somebody there was like, if you love this, you should go to Trade Tech because they have a pastry program. So then I went to trade tech and I did two years of a super intense pastry program, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m., four days a week. And you were working at the store the whole time? And I worked at the store four nights well, a week. You just love no sleep, Lee. I, something is wrong with you. You a sociopath, girl. I, I do not you understand. You are a psycho. I literally oh lived on naps. And I don't, then I would nope, like, nope. I would nope, take nope, two nope, naps. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> I would take two naps and then I would... Or I would like take a two hour nap and then I'd like wake up, go to work, come home, sleep for four hours, wake up, go to school, come home, sleep for two hours, wake up, go to work. But no, I just need I'm a busy body. I need shit to do. Okay, I like sleep. (laughs) Believe me. And I do have insomnia problems sometimes, but I think it's because I've like exhausted myself so much. I'm like (laughs) children at home. Do as I say. Don't do as I do. Sleep more, sleep more, sleep more. Oh my God. So you're just running on fumes, but you're going through culinary school. So then like how many years is that of culinary school? Like how long? Two years of culinary school. And during this time, we had the shittiest manager on the planet, Mark Uh Tarosi. Oh yeah. You didn't finish the story about him. Yeah. 
So Mark, I was like, I can't remember if that was last pod, the first no, round I, yeah, of this here's or the thing, this guys, one. If it hasn't been made clear, I fucked up and didn't hit the record button when we first started yeah. doing this. And we had a solid hour of witty banter and amazing contribution from Lee. And then I look over cause I'm like, Oh, I hear a weird sound. Thank God. Whoever that was that gave me the weird sound in my ear. I was like, Oh my God we've not been recording <laughs> and lee like the trooper she is goes we're just gonna re-record it's gonna be fun so just pour more champagne sweetie <laughs> um well yeah, just I don't... say it and i'll edit it out if you've already said it okay so so there was this guy so i'll tell you like so he the thing is with the store and way more then than now is that sort of the inmate the inmates ran the asylum they still then. do though. and they still do a little bit but back then the waitresses were sort of like the mafia and the managers worked for the waitresses almost. It was just like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Mm, no. And Mitzi like allowed that. She didn't, or she was kind of Mitzi done at that was point. really empowering of Eleanor. And then it was sort of necessary because there, if you look again, like the dynamic was different. There were no security guards. There was, Oh, we have, or we bounced like, our own people. Like the comics, nope. everyone was running their own rackets to make money and no one was paying attention to like the goings on and the business of the store. Like the comics, mm. the door guys were like, I have to pay my rent. So I'm trying to figure out my new racket today. <laughs> What's my hustle right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, everyone was sort of like doing that because the, there wasn't a lot of money to go around back then. So, but the waitresses sort of became the bouncers. Jesus. The managers sucked most of the time and you couldn't count on them for shit. So then we would end up having to deal with our own difficult customers. Like the bartenders were gangster. They were all Thai. They oh, were all oh, Thai. Heart, if you're listening, we love you heart so Heart is the much. only Thai left standing. But oh. it used to be Heart, Huck, and Tony. Oh, I've and heard these they names were before. all Thai and Hart, Hart was the nicest. Huck and Tony were like Huck was an old police officer in Thailand whose family oh, still it. owned restaurants and, and hotels in Thailand. He owned a restaurant here and then worked at night at the comedy store. Hart is an engineer who also works at night at the comedy That's store. That's still true. About Tony him. was a deal, a, a card dealer at one of the local casinos and then would then bartend. They, these motherfuckers know, talk about don't sleep. They never slept. And they were in their, like, the other two were in their 40s. Like, Hart is, and this was 20 years ago, nope. 15 years ago. Smoking, cigarettes, gambling, doing card gambling games in the parking lot. Like, they were monsters gangster <laughs> i heard they also like were doing a thing if you fucked up a drink and you'd run back there to be like hey sorry i fucked this up they'd be like no get in line ring it again do it again like they played it no games on, it depended on who you are and if they liked you oh, okay it well, was definitely kind of a, very much about how much they could tolerate yeah. about you yeah if they mm -hmm. liked you and they thought you were down they would bend over backwards for you and like like in the beginning they didn't like jen because they thought she was huck specifically because she was so nice that they thought that she was full of shit and punky thought that punky pulled me aside when i first started and she was like it's too much you got to tone this down nobody can trust you and i was like i'm sorry what and she's like you have to stop being nice and i was like i don't understand what's going on yeah. i'm having an anxiety attack yeah. i just won't talk to anyone <laughs> she was like just calm it down and i was like i don't know what that means i know like god bless jen jen was just like but and she didn't change shit but she just like for a year i think huck was like i don't fucking trust her and i was like jen is the nicest person nah she's full of shit and i was like no 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 it's real now <laughs> she means it i'm like he's it, and now they're family like huck is family to us and oh. like if we ever went to thailand we literally wouldn't have to pay for anything did like, he move back there he like, moved why back because he got cancer and oh, couldn't afford him. to treat it here and went back and they cured him oh of course god yeah. damn it i can't even like that's a whole separate podcast for a different time yeah Ugh. but you know yeah it was it's so just it's, it's thai bartenders it's like everybody just every man for themselves okay waitresses stealing tables from other waitresses until that you proved your worth Lee, like that would have i would have quit it was insane it's i was like war. oh but i'm such a competitive person that i was like oh you think i'm weak <laughs> <laughs> the east coast and the southern in me go marry and bury you slit your throat bitch. <laughs> and by slit your throat i mean take all your money <laughs> <laughs> so would you you'd be running your racket too like you got good at the job and then you were like these Dude, bitches are i mean on the fucking i mean i don't want to give too much information but yeah. like i you know on like the first shift when we only had one shift a week on uh fat tuesdays if somebody ordered gray goose because it was cash and carry i was like yeah yeah, no problem i everybody was getting charged for top shelf and everybody was getting well oh i get it okay. i was making two dollars at least per drink 
Might edit this part out. We don't, yeah. we don't, we don't need to reveal all your secrets. Girl, that's not what it's about. I mean, that doesn't exist anymore, and I'm a different person now. So and nobody does that now. <laughs> okay. But honestly, we make so much money now that it's not you don't even need to. like I don't. You don't have time. I nobody literally has time. don't have time. We're so busy. Yeah. The short. We're doing two shows a night. We're pumping them through. Yeah. That was like literally needs must. Like sure. no one. Everybody just, had their racket and every, all the servers, there was, there was a very few, the amount of servers is a third of the amount we have now. Jesus. And we all were like, what are we going to charge for this? this? Dana has told me that story too. Yeah. Like everybody had an agreement. Everybody had an agreement. Wow. But it was just like, because we were all in it together and we were like, we got to make money, dude. This place is slow as fuck. We're fighting for shifts. Oh, I can't imagine. It was insane. Now we're just giving everything away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not technically now. <laughs> separate podcast okay all right so then you go to you go to your school you do your thing at this point you you've had you you were head waitress for a minute you were like i'm over this i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to no i got demoted by the what? world's shittiest manager mark this Tarosi. is the story okay we did not finish okay, this yeah. has not been on the podcast so yet. mark Tarosi was an assistant manager and he was the everybody's favorite fat gay man and just like i just love everybody here and this is my favorite second job he was a manager at a restaurant called Palomino in Westwood. I say I've heard um, of that restaurant. Is it still does I, it still exist? I don't know if it still exists, but okay. it was it was kind of like a high powered lunch the movers entertainment the business restaurant, right? But it's very corporate. And so this was his fun job. It was his second job. Well, Dean was leaving. Dean was a manager. Dean Gelber was the manager for years. Okay. Um, oh, his parents always come around. Blaney That's, and oh, Jerry. God, God love y'all. God bless you. No way they're listening to this. And Dean was in his own right a good manager. He definitely fit in the store. He he grew up with Polly as his best friend. Oh. I love Dean. There were points at which I got very frustrated with him because if I needed him for something to like have my back, he would look at the floor. And that happened a lot during the Mark taking over times after Dean had put in his notice and Mark was sort of realizing that he could have all the power and pitching this idea of the kitchen because we didn't have a kitchen at the time. We didn't have any food the one of the waitresses made kettle corn and cookies and sold it at the door that's actually really smart that's a speak about side hustle there yeah, you go they, now they sell them now if if i had gotten in before the kitchen i think i still would have been able to take over but so and, and she was one of the first to go like because all of the old staff once mark realized that we were going to challenge his ideas because they were terrible ideas for the kind of place that we were in he was trying to turn it into a corporate restaurant you can't and it was can't. i'm like this is not what this is and i'm not trying to be difficult no. i'm just trying to make you realize and then there was one he hired he got us handheld. Um, was that him? Dana talks about that. Oh, as like the most it was like a 1985 time. cell phone. No, because it was the size of a cell phone. No, people, you couldn't make eye contact with your customers because you were staring at this fucking screen all no. the time. And then let me tell you the worst part about you don't realize how many people change their mind until you've already sent something to the bar. Ooh, Can it I happens you, all the time. You, dude, how many times the bartenders were making so many drinks that never got sent out because we kept having to resend, resend, resend because every time we sent something, the customers would be like, you know what? And they do that all the time. Yeah. Actually make that a double or you know what? I actually want a beer or yeah. I blah, blah, blah. You know what? Can I just do this? instead? So it was like, it was, it was anarchy a because the, that kept happening and B because there is no, it required internet service. There's no internet service and there's in that no, building. It, there's no service. Internet, you you it's can't. It's a dark hole of the internet. It's so, a dark hole of the soul. There's the nothing soul. happening in yeah, that room, no, in that it's place. dead. Oh my God. So it kept going out. So then half the time they wouldn't work and we'd have to like find her and hold it up. It was the most ridiculous thing. So we kept, and he was like, you just need to give it a second and try harder. I would have put my hands on his throat. So at one point I was standing in the middle of the kitchen and every, every, at this point, PS, every staff member, and I was still the head waitress at this time. Every staff member had had a crying. Nope like a moment of being in a full crying full no. meltdown nope. because nothing was working. And oh, I would have lost it. it and were you insane. guys super busy? It was getting busier. Yeah. It was definitely getting to a point where we had more shows here and there, but it was still mostly like weekend shows that were the busiest. But so as the head waitress, I would come to him in this dialogue that he promised would always be there. And then he just would look at me and passive aggressively be like, you're just not trying hard enough or you're being, you're trying to be difficult. And Lee. Like, I was like, no, no, no. I'm just like, you told me you wanted feedback. I'm giving you feedback. This kind of thing isn't working. Maybe we can go back to the old way. Also, it's costing them money, dude. But they didn't care because once they put so much money behind something, oh, they're like, yeah, this better they're work. All in. I get it. So at that point they were all in behind him because they believed his hype and he 
he oh my God. sold them a bill of goods like you've never seen before. He was like, make sure to push the premium mayo on their sliders. And I was like, the fuck this is, is not a restaurant. And also premium mayo. Dude, you mayo have, is mayo is mayo. We'd have to, they'd have to make mojitos and make their own simple syrup. And like before the shift, it was just like the volume of that place. That was, is actually impossible. It's a nightclub. It's a nightclub. It's a high volume nightclub. Yes. That, that happens is, to have chicken tenders. Yeah. Like, and I get like, I think the kitchen was a good idea. No but, food is necessary, but the food that he had in the beginning Girl, you premium slider. What? Sliders? Pulled pork pork sliders. Fried shrimp. Who's got time to make any of that stuff? It was insane. It's not a restaurant, girl. It's a theater. They're there for the comics. If they're there for shrimp, they're there for the wrong reason. Yeah. No, he was like... It, making our section smaller um, oh, so that, that we could spend more crazy. time with the tables. I was like, this is not how we're going to make money. You guys are out of your fucking minds. Anyway, I, like I couldn't have one night in the middle of this chaos. I lost my mind as you and should he have was in the kitchen. And I said to him, I could do your job three times <laughs> in my sleep. I'm pretty sure it was in front of the entire staff. Oh my God. I was like, I'm sorry that you're so incompetent that you can't figure out how to run this place, but I could do your job three times in my sleep. Tell me those words came out of your mouth. Oh yeah. You can ask anybody. I think everybody was there and they were just all like, like, she just said that. And then I promptly was demoted from head waitress and it was in front of people. No, no, no. But like within a week it was given to some other um, bitch, another girl named Julia who is Satan. And she was just, she was another, like, how can I like just crawling her way up and trying to figure out how to be important because that was she needed most in life was to be important so it was just like gross i can't deal with those kinds of people no it was gross and because she i could tell that she hated that i was in charge of her schedule well and that eleanor had passed the torch to you well she wasn't there this was a newer person around eleanor after eleanor had already left and stuff like that there was like new people who you could tell were just like i need to be in charge i need to be in charge i need to be in charge and they'd do anything they could to get up there so she got the schedule but then she was a fucking disaster and ended up throwing keys in one of the manager's faces drunk one night i'm like eh, okay you get what you pay for you hello. know what i mean hello you get what you demote to yeah so <laughs> I mean, and, and then i left and went to work at a barbecue restaurant in the valley for a bit but it was also oh, you was, fully left like you were like done with the mm-hmm. store but then i called and begged for my job back because i this barbecue restaurant was like so drama filled and i was like i don't want to do food service i'd rather kill myself or come back to the shit store and go back to the store <laughs> So then I had a little talk with myself and I was like, you only need this until you can get through culinary school. Just fucking swallow your ego and call Dean and go back. So Dean rehired me and then Mark got fired. So nah. then it was karma's a bitch. You know. So you, so you're there for a minute. And then when does Abington Avenue pastry start? Okay. So that just started very recently, right? Very, like a year and a half ago. I think I registered the name, but I didn't really put all my effort into it until like a year, six months ago, six months. Okay. When I officially left the SLS. So you got under Jose Andres to like learn sort of more of the pastry side of well, things. Well, so he's the, Jose Andres is the, is the savory chef of the bazaar and he's the, like the namesake owner of the bazaar and the other restaurant in the SLS is called Tress and he does both oh, of yeah. those. Okay. So we did all the pastries for Tress and the bazaar and all of the catering for the hotel all the banquets, all the room, in-room dining, all that stuff. I worked under a pastry, the executive pastry chef was Chris Harvey, and I definitely consider him my mentor in pastry. I was a pastry chef at a restaurant in in Atwater called Al Aqua for a year. I opened that restaurant, and then, and that was the beginning of me learning how to be in charge of a menu and sure. being trusted to do stuff like that, and um, my chef there, Don, was amazing, but he wasn't a pastry chef. He was a savory chef. So he, the amount of trust he put in me was amazing. And Claudio, the owner, was awesome. Um, and it gave me a lot of, like, faith in myself. And then from there, I was I sort of demoted myself to go be a cook at the SLS to work for Chris Harvey. But there was a group of people. We all sort of came from a similar situation sure. and demoted ourselves to go work for him. For him. Honestly, not demoted. And we were getting paid, like, working for a hotel – they take care of you. It's a union. And it was the best possible gig because it was working for a chef-driven restaurant oh. inside of a hotel, no. which is impossible to find. So the fact that we got to like be super creative and push the limits with our chef and also be taken care of in a union environment in sure. a Marriott was kind of like 
a next it level. It was like the best possible pastry gig you could get. And then Chris Harvey was, I love him. He just texted me yesterday to see if I needed toilet paper. Bless him. <laughs> like I, he's like, I adore him. And um, he took really good care of me and he was really hard on me and beat the shit out of me emotionally and in every possible way as a chef and taught me a lot, a lot. And a lot of people would probably argue with me that he was, that it wasn't fun to work for him. But I was like, I'm not in it for the fun. And I also like, but also because I respected his way and, and what, how good he was at his job so much myself and one other person, Danny, who's now the pastry chef at a place called Fia in Santa Monica, which is an excellent restaurant. If you guys haven't been yet. (laughs) um it's really fun it's like one of the newer ones and it's she's killing it but the two of us and chris were really good friends honestly like we became like we saw each other on a level that was more like there was a couple other people that did too but like i feel like the three of us are the only ones that still really there's one other person a couple people but there's a for a certain group of people that really loved him sure And connected with him on a different level than just him being our boss, even though we all really respected him as our boss. But uh, so I don't know. It was a really special time. I feel like it changed me as a chef because it gave me I feel like now I can take what I know from there and do anything I want with so much confidence it's an unva- invaluable gift. It's, I mean, it was just like, it was the best thing I could have done. And then when it was time to go, it was time to go. It was just like, it started, you know, you get what you can. He, I got promoted with somebody else and then he left to start his own chocolate company. And at that point, it was just like not exciting anymore. Sure. And then it was fun to be, to learn how to run a kitchen without him around. And I got, th- he left and then they didn't hire anybody else. So it was like me and the other girl that got promoted running the entire show for, dine la and valentine's day jesus and the end of christmas like it was we wanted to kill ourselves but we did it sure so that was also invaluable and then it was like okay now i'm not really excited anymore i'm not really there's not a whole lot more that i can learn here so i started to try to figure out if i wanted to go somewhere else but then i just was like i don't really feel like i want to work for anybody else again and i'm not saying never but now that sort of led to me starting abington avenue and it all ended up happening right around Thanksgiving of 2018. So I was like, well, let me see how much I can make in pies. Like, I'm just going to start telling, like, word of mouth telling people I'm doing pies for Thanksgiving. And then that sort of exploded. And I, and I, yeah, and my kitchen was like, I, I pumped as much as I possibly could have done out of my kitchen. I registered my kitchen as a cottage kitchen. Smart. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. Cause I just didn't want to get sued. Honestly, <laughs> I got, I got liability insurance and I registered my kitchen as a cottage kitchen. Smart. And then I could sell stuff out of my home. There's definitely a limit to the kind of things you can sell, but how many pies do you think you sold at that oh, time? I mean, cause you're a one man operation. So one man thought. operation. I think from like, I think I did 75. Holy shit. The first year? Nope. It was insane. And then last year I did more. I did more than I thought I could ever possibly do out of this kitchen last year. It was insane. And then then I did gift baskets for Christmas and then that turned insane. And then this year, the same thing, but like even more. So um, Also gluten-free because you made me some mm -hmm. gluten-free delicious treats. Pecan pie cookies. So good. Yeah, so... It, that's but through that like I've got now I've gone back from you know I had a cush job at Marriott but I was making 42 grand a year mm, which is not survivable in LA here. you can't live you on need that. twice that at least to be yeah. like minimum weight or to be like a middle class Human. person where you don't have to Beg worry from, about every uh-huh. cent that you spend you know uh-huh. so the comedy store I always kept the job as like I was working like twice a month for the most part I think sure. but it was like my my fun money Sure. And then when I decided I was going to leave, I went again. I went back and I said, "Hey guys, do you can I come back as much as you'll you know put me on?" And Jody was managing at the time, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever you need." And I think that somebody had just quit or something, so it was kind of perfect timing. So I he was like, "Well, I'll give you what I can," and then it ended up being quickly four shifts a week or something. So and you then, were doing pickup for a while. Like I I was picking yeah. up as much as I could. Yeah, yeah. It's always been the thing that supports me through my careers. It's kind of nutty. Yeah. yeah. But it's also been my family. It's always been like the connection to L.A. Like sure. how it keeps me grounded. Okay. It gives me an outlet. Well, that's amazing. Okay. So we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to go on to the en- entrees after a quick break. That was terrible. Oh, God. That was apps? Yeah. That was all apps. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that's okay. Now we just do questions. You've answered a lot of them. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I got to re-record saying that because they sounded stupid. Hope you enjoyed your apps. On to the entrees after a quick break. We take a break. 
Honest to God, that was an hour. <laughs> what is happening with my brain? That's oh, weird. you gave so many good stories. We're taking this for round two and we're going to go back. Okay. Okay.